Hey everybody, I'm Marty Hogan, uh, one of the managers of the R3 community here. And, uh, you know, we're always focused on increasing collaboration among the folks and professionals in the outdoor industry. Um, so we do things like host podcasts and webinars. And uh, today I'm, we're lucky enough to have on the line with us Megan Wisecup uh, and Rachel Ladd from Iowa's Department of Natural Resources. Megan is the Hunter Education Administrator and Rachel is the uh, Shooting Sports and Hunter Education Coordinator. So thank you ladies for joining us today. Um, Megan, do you want to go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and uh, get us started here? Sure. I've been um, with the agency since 2002, served in various um, seasonal positions such as water patrol and natural resource aid before coming on full-time in 2006 as the Recreational Safety Program's Administrative Assistant. Then in 2008, I was fortunate to be able to promote into the Hunter Education Administrator position, and that's where I've been since then. Graduated from Iowa State University from Animal Ecology with Wildlife Care as my emphasis, and um, yeah. Rachel? Yeah, um, I came a, a little bit indirect way. I grew up in New England and went to Keene State College in New Hampshire, have an undergrad in occupational safety and health. Um, did AmeriCorps and a couple other outdoor ed programs and ended up here in Iowa. Um, so I am a newly recruited or currently recruiting uh, hunter. Fantastic. Um, and you guys are both obviously very heavily involved with R3 and uh, at the state agency there. So um, why is it important for a state agency to really focus on R3? And more specifically, what are some of the um, kind of important aspects you guys foco focus on uh, in terms of R3 that need to be paid attention to and really carefully measured and looked at? Sure. I mean, it's definitely not anything new that license sales have been decreasing and participation has been on the decline nationwide for the past 10, 20 years now. So there's definitely a vested interest from the agency to see those numbers turn around and start increasing participation in not only hunting, but the shooting sports and angling as well, and also just generating overall support for the agency. Um, as most folks in this um, industry know that the way uh, conservation has been paid for, and a lot of the funding that comes to the state agencies is kind of a user-pay model or the North American model, so there's definitely a need to start finding ways to increase that overall support and start diversifying some of the funding sources to help pay for conservation for future generations. Mm -hmm. Are there are there any aspects that you guys are really uh, keying into? Is it just uh, like license sales, is that really what you're measuring in, when it comes to R3, or is it um, recurring license sales? What you know, what are you really tuning into? We definitely are interested in um, the license sales. I mean, to say otherwise wouldn't be telling the whole picture there. But I mean, definitely with revenue and license sales being the bulk of what's paying for um, wildlife conservation and um, angling and all that in the state, it's definitely one that's, you know, to the front forefront when we're looking at um, what's going on over the last 10 or 20 years. But 
we definitely have a vested interest in tracking our participants through their entire journey from when we first interact with them, being able to collect their, their names, their addresses, emails, whatever information we can so that we can continue to track them throughout their um, journey with the department so we can see what programs they're attending, so we can see what licenses they're buying, and just overall getting a better understanding of who our current customers are so that way we can continue to retain those folks and also be sure that we're meeting their needs. Um, we also know that in Iowa specifically, which I'm sure a lot of other states are facing, when you get 25, 30 years down the road, we're going to start seeing a decrease in um, the biggest population set that we're serving right now, and that's you know the white or the Caucasians. Um, in Iowa, they're projected by 2050 to decrease about 20% where we're going to see some of the other ethnic communities such as African-American, Hispanic, and Asian on the rise. So we really need to start uh, reaching out to these groups to find out what their interests are in overall outdoor recreation and so we can start designing programs and efforts to be able to meet those folks' needs. And it's definitely been one that's not an easy pathway for us and definitely not an easy pathway for our volunteers who have been programmed for so long to really reach out to the youth and when we're trying to start reaching out to more adults and families, there's a lot of stuff that we have to look at internally and externally and changes to make. So we definitely are going to be focusing some efforts on meeting the needs of those new groups and seeing what their interest is overall in um, outdoor recreation and um, education. And Marty, to, to add on to that, I mean, we certainly want, at the end of the day, we need money to ensure that we have wildlife habitat and and continue our programs, but um, there are a lot of kind of intangibles. Um, with the R3, the, the agency really is trying to foster that collaboration um, and coordination between both internal and external partners. So, I mean, a lot of our nonprofit agencies or organizations, excuse me, our internal agencies um, here in Iowa, we're a huge agency. We have many different bureaus, so trying to get everyone on the same page to move forward. Um, and this, the, kind of the R3 that tagline has really allowed us to focus, um, kind of coming together and really thinking about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're doing it for. Um, and it's internally, we've really seen a, a shift. Um, we have a lot of re-engagement, folks that have kind of been doing the same thing, but have a new fire, a new passion. Um, and, and it's really exciting to work with them, um, to, to work hand in hand, if you will, trying new ideas, seeing, um, seeing our successes, and, and noting that we'll have failures. And, but as long as we're learning from those failures, it's still a success in our eyes. Um, and then also just making sure that we're asking our audiences. Um, if our if the state of Iowa is changing in, in demographics, making sure that we're, you know, not afraid to actually get out there and ask people what they're looking for. Um, if they're not already coming to the DNR, how do we how do we meet them and and see what they want to do with their natural resources? Great. Yeah, those are all great things to keep an eye on for sure. And the whole, that's what all the chatter has been about lately is those kind of things. But um, so the council put out a um, national plan. It was very big and is very uh, 
there was a lot of info in there and there were so many different steps that people can take. And it wasn't really meant to be uh, a one kind of, you know, follow this plan step by step by step and, you know, you'll have success. It's kind of a, um, it's a buffet of options that people have to kind of take uh, different parts of the plan and put together almost their own kind of plan. So I was, I was wondering, uh, the state of Iowa, what was that process like for you when you guys took the plan and after you took the plan, what'd you do with it and how'd you get it to a place where it was a manageable uh, on a state level? Sure, definitely. Um, one of the first things we did was, of course, get the plan out internally to the folks that are engaged already with some level of R3. Um, we really wanted to be able to be a more encompassing program here in Iowa, so not just focusing on hunting and shooting sports, but also incorporating the angling aspects and also some of our other outdoor education, such as voter education, the paddle sports, and really wanted to come up with a kind of a comprehensive R3 plan for all outdoor recreation in Iowa. Um, still, the focus is going to be on, of course, the hunting, shooting sports, and angling, kind of the big three based on, again, that funding model, but we were going to also bring in some of those other kind of what we look at as gateway programs, getting um, new recruits involved in the programs. So um, after we did that, we kind of looked at the immediate recommendations, and that's what we've tried to step off first. So coming to the conclusion that we weren't going to be able to hire um, a particular staff person to head up R3 all alone, we, um, we kind of took the team approach where Rachel and I are kind of taking the lead in coordinating the effort for the agency, then also working with respective staff within this the given areas such as aquatic education, um, urban fisheries, communications and marketing, um, our IT program, our licensing program, so just trying to really pull those key people together and take more of a team approach as we work through this effort since we weren't going to have a dedicated staff person. Um, while we're kind of working on those immediate recommendations, we also knew that we had a lot of groundwork to lay to be able to pull um, both internal and external partners together. So. Over the past year, Rachel and myself and some other staff within our agency have spent a lot of time going out and talking to um, bureau statewide meetings, so going out to like the wildlife statewide, fishery statewide to talk about R3 in general and the concepts that go along with it, such as the outdoor recreation adoption model, logic change, evaluation tools, just to kind of start establishing um, this common language and common background. We also went out to a lot of our NGO group state meetings um, we presented at the Iowa Women and Natural Resources. Um, in Iowa, we have a county conservation board system, which is kind of unique, where we have 99 counties in Iowa, we have 99 county conservation boards, and they're kind of our direct link to the local communities and especially to the schools. So we've been able to go out and talk to their directors meeting and to their naturalist meeting to start laying this framework. And we also wanted to make sure that we are plugged in um, with our legislators. So we've had the opportunity to go across the street and talk with the House Natural Resources Committee and also most recently present at the Congressional Sportsman's Federation luncheon, just again to get that, that general background out there on R3, what's going on at the national level and what we started here in Iowa um, at the statewide level. And the next key, which I'll let Rachel kind of talk about, was to try to make the decision on who to invite and who to get involved um, with this planning and state step-down efforts. So when we started thinking about who to invite to the table, um, we really wanted to push the idea of that it was an agency-wide, it was a statewide, it was a it was a real 
initiative um, that spanned from customer service to higher education to land management. So it wasn't just one particular uh, section bureau, that it was a pro that it was just a big picture. We were trying to push the mindset um, rather than just R3 in one particular area. So we reached out to our, our actual um, DNR leadership. We Here in Iowa, we're a mega agency, so we have conservation and recreation, and then we also have the entire environmental side. So we wanted folks from the environmental side at the table because um, they, they deal with the natural resources in a different uh, on a different side than we do uh, here with conservation and recreation. Um, we reached out to our commission members, um, to our uh, Pheasants Forever, National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, Isaac Walton League, local fishing clubs. Megan mentioned we have county conservation boards. We reached out to both the directors and the naturalists to come out. Um, we offered uh, a seat for the formal educators who are teaching both fishing programs and hunting um, conservation ethics in their classroom. So whether it be part of uh, chemistry, physics, or even uh, physical education, they had a seat. Um, we've done a couple partner pro programs with the Department of Tourism, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, and then industry partners. We have some great companies within our borders, and we wanted their thoughts. So. We ended up inviting about 190, excuse me, 137 people to our discussion. Um, about 70 said, yeah, we'd love to come. And we started the conversation. We gave them some background on it and then really opened up the dialogue to, to facilitate with them. And so we created a couple of surveys um, so that because of the timing, because we wanted to get this out, our actual um, sit-down discussion was in November. So we sent out a pre-survey. We wanted to know what they were doing. Have they um, looked at the mapping programs? Have they looked at their programs that they offer and, and put it on the map? Um, and then after our full day uh, discussion, we then sent out another survey to really get their feedback and their thoughts on next steps so that we could really take their words um, and, and iron out what the state step-down plan looks for Iowa. Then going from there, Marty, um, we met again, kind of developed an internal theme. You know, since again, we wanted to look at hunter, our hunting, angling, and shooting sports and some of our other um, outdoor recreational programs. We wanted to advise an internal team of about three or four individuals to kind of start putting the nuts and bolts together and really go through those surveys and glean as much information as we can. I think from our co-survey, we came up with kind of a list of 29 action items that were just derived from that survey itself. So it gave us a great starting point as we started to step down the plan further. And then, again, since not having a dedicated R3 person in the state, and Rachel and I both also represent um, different facets of R3 and the programs that it affects, we wanted to be able to be involved or engaged in some of the committee processes as we continue to step it down. So we are bringing in um, department facilitators that kind of help do this next step. So what our plan is, is here the week of May 8th, we're going to take our six committees, which are education, marketing, land and water access and shooting ranges, mentoring, 
um, looking at community outreach, like your millennials, your diverse audiences, and then our last committee is going to be our technical committee, which is kind of looking at licensing, regulations, research trends. So we're going to bring all those folks in over the course of the week and with facilitators start really looking at the internal strengths and weaknesses, the external opportunities and threats, and then developing what our immediate strategies and actions are for each of those committees and how they fit into that overall plan. So we're really going to be looking at those um, seven kind of guiding principles or action items within the plan itself. So how do those committees fit into what actions or strategies can they develop to look at improving R3 strategy and program design? What can they do to improve sources of information for new participants? How can we um, improve our skills and training for participants? You know, looking at um, improving shooting sports facilities, increasing access to hunting, angling, and shooting sports areas. Um, planning and cooperation again amongst our R3 partners, really looking at how can we work with industry and the NGOs out there on this effort. Um, looking at how we can repurpose our, our volunteers that we already have. We know that, for example, hunter education comes in a lot of formats these days and the ways that youth are learning today, a lot of it is online and that's kind of their preferred method. But how can we repurpose our existing instructors that have been teaching those classes for so long to meet the needs now, whether it's being a mentor or providing advanced uh, programs such as learn to tur hunt turkeys or learn to hunt pheasants, how can we repurpose them and still keep them engaged? And then also looking at how we can improve that overall cultural acceptance. Like I mentioned earlier, with the changing demographic, how can we meet the needs of not only our customers today, but our new Hispanic and African American and Asian audiences that are coming in in Iowa that are showing some interest. So. Um, we really want to take the time and we figured if we, we needed to do it in a week, that was kind of the recommendations of the facilitators because if we try to space it out and try to do one a week or one every other week, that it just you know would never get done. We just really needed to allocate, take the time to allocate the resources and the time in our schedules just to get them all done in one week. That way we can continue to move forward. Um, after we get done with those committee meetings, we'll be reconvening our internal committee again to kind of go through all those responses. Um, each committee will have the opportunity to provide um, input on the, the outcomes from the, the meetings that week, and then we're also going to be sending all the outcomes out to our large group, so those 70 plus people that Rachel mentioned that showed that they had interest, and they'll have the opportunity to provide some feedback as well. And then we're really going to take take the month of June and first part of July at getting that draft plan in place. And then our goal is to bring the large group back in here late summer, early fall, to kind of look over what we've came up with, get any last minute feedback, and then going forward on an annual basis, we'll be meeting each November to try to tackle the next fiscal year. So that way everyone has kind of the guiding documents, what worked, what didn't work, what our priorities are for the next year so that we can fit them into our respective um, plans and that get set typically either on the calendar year or the fiscal year. Well, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we're looking at here over the next few months and to finish stepping down the plan for our state. Wow. In that, um, so you guys are still in the process of stepping down the plan. So is that the meeting, the week-long meeting you're having, you said maybe here in May? Uh, that mm -hmm. is that to all come together and decide on one state plan that you guys feel is, you know, pretty good to go off of? Um, that that week-long one will be the opportunity for our 
committees, we realized when we had our November meeting, and it definitely came out in the survey itself, that trying to do it with 70 folks in the room was not going to be in our best interest or work, so we wanted to divide them into separate committees that could address those kind of seven items that came out of the national plan. So our committees will be no bigger than 12 on a committee. That way it's a much more manageable size and can um, really facilitate a good conversation. So we're hoping those committees will help us kind of vet out the rest of our strategies and actions that didn't come out of the survey in the large group back in November. That way it's kind of our final final touches on everything before we send out one final draft to the, the larger group to decide and implement. Great, great. Um, what was your what was your guys's first big example of success um, for Iowa coming from all the R three efforts that you guys have been working on? Um, one of them definitely was uh, getting our dashboard in place. Um, even though we are a mega agency, we really don't have a lot of folks, especially in the law enforcement bureau where Rachel and I currently are sitting in. Um, are leading this charge that deal a lot with human dimensions or um, being able to do a good analysis of data. So having that dashboard in place was a, a key tool for us. So not only do we kind of have a snapshot of what's been going on in Iowa the last 10 years, but we can really start looking at those trends and comparing what's going on in our state with other states. Uh, we had a really neat opportunity at the North American um, during the, the Southwick update at the um, committee meeting, and they were able to put, you know, Oregon, uh, Wisconsin, and Iowa's dashboards up there together. So it was neat to see what commonalities there were amongst the three states, and then also kind of see where there may be a little bit of difference and kind of kind of facilitate that discussion. And so, what are you doing particularly in your state that may have influenced that? You know, is there a particular um, licenses package or uh, license packages such as three-year licenses that may be driving this or combination licenses that may be driving this or have you done a particular marketing effort to reach out to this demographic or um, audience and so it just really helps facilitate the question and give you kind of a visual overview of what's going on in the state. Uh, much easier especially with working with partners. Um, that's one feedback that we did get when we did do our workshop. Um, kind of we thought we took the approach where we brought in each bureau to kind of talk about what's going on. We brought Wildlife Bureau in to talk about the hunting license trends, fisheries to talk about the fishing license trends. But when you're bringing our NGOs and partners in, they don't really want to get down into the weeds or that level of detail. They'd rather see that quick snapshot um, versus the 200-page report that goes into a lot of detail. So it was much easier to have a conversation using that dashboard. Um, some of the other things that we started seeing success in is cross-promotion. So since we've been collecting on the hunter ed and shooting sports side of the equation, our user information since 2008 in an electronic database. So we really have a, a pretty hefty database built now of those folks kind of in the prime age groups that we're wanting to reach. And we've been able to utilize those databases to promote opportunities for our partners. For example, we've worked with a group that have a, a bow hunting camp. We were able to do an e-blast out to surrounding counties around where that camp's going to be held to folks that met that age and criteria, and within five days their camp was filled. Um, we've done the same thing with our Youth Hunter Education Challenge. We have coaches around the state. We've done e-blasts to the surrounding counties where those coaches lived and have helped build up 
their teams in those areas. Um, we've also been using social media. Um, this year, uh, Rachel's leading our Becoming an Outdoors Woman program, and we were really trying to get new interest or new people involved versus the same people coming back year after year. So we worked with our, our marketing and social media person within the state, and we were able to do a small media buy for $120. And within uh, 10 days or less, we filled that entire um, workshop up um, past capacity. So just using some of those tools has been nice and been able to collect that user information now so we can do some cross-promotion and um, dabble in social media, how you can upload an email list to be able to target friends or like folks. That's been um, some areas where we're seeing success. We've also been fortunate to work with um, NSSF and Southwick and the Council on the Models of Success projects. So we've done two now. We did one the first year where we looked at hunter education graduates who never went on to purchase a license and targeted, the, targeted them through an email campaign. And we had um, huge success in that. We were able to get an additional 200 licenses sold. And Rachel, I'll have to jump in here. 400 and some tags, I believe. So that generated an additional 40-some thousand dollars in revenue from the agency, motivating those folks to take that next step and actually try um, hunting. Um, we also did a survey with that campaign, too, and got a lot of useful information on what types of things they would like to see um, from the agency. In the 2.0, when we did this past year, we um, targeted all hunter education graduates, so whether they purchased or not. And kind of our main focus was, could we influence avidity? So could we get those people that may be hunting one species to try another species? Or could we get them motivated to try fishing? That was kind of one of our secondary um, areas that we were looking at influencing. And then the third one being um, overall support for the agency. Um, we're just wrapping up the analysis on that one, but have got to look at some of the survey results. Um, we were very happy this time. We ended up with almost 1,000 completed surveys. So got a lot of useful information, again, on their thoughts about the email campaign as a whole, what types of emails they want to see, and their overall support for the department. And um, we still, in both surveys, uh, over 70% of them want to see these types of emails coming from the department. So from that aspect of communication and ongoing interaction with the public, um, these campaigns have been very successful. And then, of course, when you're trying to influence license sales, um, our first campaign definitely was more successful when we were targeting people who hadn't purchased before between people who purchased this time. So there's a lot of small little projects we've been working on and we're starting to see some good success from and um, being able to pass those on to our partners and industry folks so that they can look at incorporating similar efforts with their customers as well. Alrighty, so wrapping up here, uh, what advice do you guys have for some other agencies that may just be starting the step-down process of breaking down the, the national plan? Um, to be simple, don't be afraid. Um, there's a ton of resources out there. Um, we've gone one direction. Can't say that it is the direction by any means. Uh, 50 states, 50 different ways to do it. But don't be afraid. Get in there and, and get started. There's um, an amazing abundance of folks that are willing to pick up the phone and, and help. Um, don't be ashamed to get your your list. Um, we'll probably be calling you 
to answer some of our questions, and uh, we look forward to to facilitating and assisting as we can. And just to add to that, the biggest thing, again, is the momentum. That's the one thing when you begin working with partners outside of the agencies. We know how state agencies can sometimes move at a much slower pace and have a lot more red tape to get through when you're bringing on the NGO groups and industry folks. Sometimes the pace that we have, unfortunately, within our state agency isn't quite fast enough. So once you get started, making sure that you keep that, that momentum going forward and keep interacting with those folks. We've really taken advantage of using the R3 website to set up an Iowa-specific group and invited those 70-plus folks out there that wanted to be a part of this process so that way either Rachel or I could constantly put little updates up there so that they know that things, even though they may not be hearing from us or seeing anything, that things are in the works and are moving forward. So just keeping that momentum going, keeping that communication open, I think are two of the biggest things. And like Rachel said, don't be afraid to take a chance or to fail. Um, as long as you're learning from it and moving forward, um, then it's a success in our mind. Um, yeah, definitely um, try to maximize strengths and figure out you know what your partners can provide to the picture. Um, that's one challenge is a lot of our passionate partners and folks um, want to be able to help and do everything. And same with our internal folks and staff that are there to volunteer and do everything that they can. But let's, you really need to sit back and look at what every person or every entity can offer and then maximize it by using their strengths and by utilizing them. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys very much for uh, taking time out of your day to answer some questions for us and uh, provide some insights for the rest of the community. I know that they will um, take your advice and your knowledge and whatnot and put it to good use and apply it to their own uh, their own agencies and NGOs and in uh, their own states. So thank you very much again. Um, Everybody else out there that it's that are listening, uh, please get in the R3 community website, make a post, ask a question. If uh, we got tons of people in there just waiting to answer questions and collaborate with you. So um, that's one of the ways to get started. Like Rachel said, you know, just get in there and ask questions. Don't be don't be afraid. And, uh, you know, we've seen some really good responses coming from people. So uh, it's a tool for you to use. So uh, utilize it. and. Uh, We'll keep doing these podcasts here for you and get some good, interesting uh, insights from people. But once again, thank you guys very much. Uh, I'm Marty Hogan. This is the R3 Podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.